Hi everyone, this is Becky from the Works of Being a Wallflower, and this is episode three. Um, today I'm going to touch on what it's like dealing with a shitty family. Um, you could touch a lot of subjects on this, um, but I'm going to use my personal experience for a lot of reference. Um, and we're going to kind of... Um, mingle with other we're going to touch like on other subjects like uh growing up poor and just just dealing with uh an all-around whole uh i guess you could say like a whole aura of like dealing with like <laughs> a really shitty family um so i was born in 1979 so i grew up in the 80s 90s uh, 2000s. I graduated high school in 1997. Uh, so we, like we, did, my family didn't have a lot of money and, you know, and that doesn't make them, you know, and not having a lot of money doesn't make somebody a bad person. What makes a bad person is a bad person. And growing up, um, for as long as I can remember, I don't ever remember my parents working. Um, I know my dad did work at one point, uh, and then he got injured from what I understood. And as far back as I can remember, it was always, um, uh, some sort of a pension. He was collecting like a WCB or, uh, social assistance or anything that he could get his hands on. Um, my mom she did go to college and she did get her ECE and she took a year of general arts and sciences, which I don't know how that benefits anybody except for racking up a student loan. Um, but I don't remember her working as like thinking back, but again, just because somebody doesn't work, it doesn't mean that they're shitty people. What, but the problem is, is that, my mom and my dad didn't like to pay bills. So we were always moving and dealing with moving elementary schools. Like I went to like, um, at least five different elementary schools growing up. So when you, when you move elementary schools like that, um, you don't make any friends, you become an outcast. And like the title of my, my channel, you learn to become a wallflower. Um, you're, you're never involved with any extracurricular activities. Uh, and because like, honestly, you're, you're scared to make friends and you're scared to get involved because you don't know whether or not your parents are going to pack you up and move again. Um, but the problem is, and it wasn't moving and it's not like we moved to better ourselves. It was moving because they didn't want to, they didn't pay the rent or they didn't want to pay the power bill or like, it, it was just a, a number of things of why we continuously moved. Um, but dealing with ne never having any friends. And when I got into high school, I remember uh, why I made friends when I got into about grade 10 and I would never, I never wanted them coming over to my house when they would come over to the house because I was always worried that I would have to explain to them why we didn't have any power 
or why the cable was shut off or why the phone was shut off or why there was no food in the refrigerator. Um, and it doesn't, you know, like every people struggle, people struggle all the time. And again, doesn't make them shitty people, but my, my parents never did anything to better themselves. And it was always, um, like the grass, like the grass is always greener in somebody else's yard, you know, like they were always worried about what everyone else was doing around them and never actually focusing on trying to make our family better. So by time I got out of high school, I had less than zero confidence. I had negative a million self-esteem. Um, my, my, like there was time, like my, my mom would never make sure that we had nice clothes. She would never make sure that we had clothes that fit us properly. Um, I ended up having a breast reduction surgery because she wouldn't buy me proper bras to, for support. Um, I do believe that uh, one of her outlets was a little bit of Munchausen's where we were constantly at the doctor's. Um, always trying to make up excuses to what was wrong with us when there was actually nothing wrong with us. There never was, but I, I had been through four surgeries by time I was 20. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a lot. That's a lot for, um, a, a kid and that's a lot to deal with. And, and every time you have something wrong with you, it, it's not, it's not like, you know, oh, well, okay, well, it could just be your allergies. It's, it's like, oh, let's run to the doctor and tell the doctor that they're wrong because now we have to go to a specialist because uh, you might have cancer, you might have this, you might have, and, and it was the constant um, embedding in my brain, the fear that there was always something seriously wrong with me. Um, I know with my dad, my dad was very, very, uh, verbally and mentally abusive. Uh, we were always called names. Um, like he was always gaslighting us. Um, always trying to blackmail us. I know when I was 14, I started babysitting and he, like, I always wanted to walk home from babysitting because I knew if he picked me up that he was going to guilt me into spending my hard earned babysitting money on cigarettes or gas for the car, or they would, he would even guilt me to the point where like, I'm the oldest, I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, he would guilt me into the fact that they had no food for their lunches for school. And, and of course I always, and I have this, uh, I always want to take care of people and I've had that my entire life. And so I would get worried that my brother and sister would go to school with nothing in their school lunches. So it was just, but the problem is, is like I would work babysitting and I'd be there for like sometimes eight or nine hours and I would make like $30 if I was lucky. And he would make sure that he took every dime from me and and I want to say that my mom didn't know, but you know what? She was just as bad. Uh, it was like money for this and money for that. And I, I, I never had any money. I, I know in elementary school, 
all my friends were like buying the juice club or the, we had a French fry truck that was up around the school and they were always going there for French fries. So, so I volunteered to sell the juice at school and so I could steal money so I could go buy French fries with my friends, which were like $2. And I would always steal juice because I'd never have any. So I, I, I know resorting to theft obviously is not right, but when you're a kid and your parents are like, um, you know, they, they, they're taking every little bit of money you have. And then you kind of like, you, you feel like you're entitled to it and you know, like I wasn't entitled to it, but I, but that's just the feeling that you get. And I find when you, when you're growing up with shitty parents, you do get this wrong sense of entitlement, like where, and you get this wrong notion that uh, the world owes you so much when you like, it takes a lot of years to realize, okay, well, you know what? The world doesn't owe me anything. And I know that now, but growing up with them and them constantly beating into my brain that uh, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. It's because, you know, don't, I wish we could be like them. And, and it's like that constant reminder that I have to tell myself that, okay, you know, they did that because they work hard and that's what they deserve. And that is, that is their lives. If that's what they want to do, more power to them. It doesn't concern me. And I found with my parents, it always concerned them what other people were doing instead of trying to better themselves. So growing up with that, like I said, you get that wrong sense of entitlement where you, you do it and you don't, it's like, you don't know any better. And it takes a long time to get that into your brain. Like, and I know when I was 20, uh, all like, I was the same way. I was like, oh, well, so-and-so owes me this. No, the government owes me this. I shouldn't have to work. I could just, you know, collect social services. I can, I'll get money from them every month and I don't need to work. And that, that wasn't a hundred percent of me thinking that up on my own. That was my mother putting that into my brain that I didn't have to work. All I could, I could just sit back and I could collect a welfare check and being a single person on welfare in Ontario, Canada, um, back when I was younger, a single person got like, don't quote me a hundred percent. I believe it was like $600 a month. And by time you paid, by time I paid my rent, which was 350. And then I would go spend a hundred dollars on groceries that left me $150 for an entire month. And that wasn't include like, so, you know, I, I couldn't own a car. And then if I did have a car, I couldn't afford the payments. I couldn't afford the insurance, let alone put gas in it or any repairs, but they like, it takes a long time to get out of that mindset when you, you grew up with them constantly telling you that you don't have to, you don't have to. Well, because the government's always going to take care of you. And you know what? The government's like the whole reason why welfare and social assistance is low is because they don't want you to be comfortable on it. It's only there to get you by with your bare minimum. And they don't, but like, 
because they, they want, they want you off it. They want you to work. And, and anytime I would get a job, it was, they would, I just felt like I was being constantly sabotaged by them. Like, um, I, I would ask them if they could pick up kids from daycare and then all of a sudden they couldn't do it. They couldn't, you know, and they couldn't help me with anything. And, and then it got to the point where I, I couldn't work. So I was like, okay, so they just sabotaged another job for me. And I know everyone's probably thinking, okay, well, you know what? These parents, these people are toxic. You need to get away from them. You know what? I tried. I did try. Um, I probably didn't try hard enough. Um, I know I, I went through a really, a couple bad patches and, you know, they, they always made me feel like they had my back, but looking hindsight is that they only had my back because they wanted me to live with them because I would give them money. And it was never, it was never because they legitimately wanted to help me. It was, they just wanted money in their pocket and they knew if I was living with them that I would help buy the groceries, I would help pay the bills, I would help pay the rent, like, and they knew that. So like looking back on it, you, you realize how shitty they actually were. And and even going forward now, like um, up to like 15, 20 years ago, it's the same. It was the same thing. Like, and then it was the constant, uh, every time I tell them I was going to do something, I was like, Oh, well, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, I wanted to go to nursing school when I graduated high school and I was told that I couldn't do it because I wasn't smart enough. And I fought against it and I said, Nope, Nope, I'm, I'm going to go. I, um, I couldn't get into nursing because I, my math, I took the wrong math in high school and that was probably on me. Uh, but so I took, I got into a dental assistance program in Niagara college, which was in Niagara falls. And th this is where I wanted to go. And I only, but the problem is even going back a little bit further, when I first got out of high school, I sent out my college applications and I had a hundred dollar money order in there. And I, I don't even know if they do money orders anymore, but um, my dad stole the money order and put a check in the envelope instead and the check bounced. So all my college applications were processed because they didn't receive payment. And then by the time I got that notification, the colleges that I really wanted to go to, the classes were already full. So I had to, so I settled on Niagara and then I realized then, then I told then I, I had no help. Nobody would help me with anything. And I just realized I'm like, okay, I, you know, hindsight, I, I didn't need their help. I know I didn't need their help and I don't know why, but see that that's, that's another thing with shitty people and shitty parents is that they install in your brain that you can't live without them and that you constantly need them. And I think that's, you know, that kind of goes along the term with gaslighting. They, they, they make you believe that you can't function without them, even though they are like the shittiest people in the world. And it's just so like, they've always made me feel that they had to be with me or they had to, I, I had to be with them or, you know, it was, 
it was constant like this. And it was back and forth, back and forth. And so I gave up on dealing with that, the college situation, and we moved 5,000 kilometers to Nova Scotia from Ontario. And uh, this was just after my grandmother passed away. And she had left me her caravan when she passed away. And I found out that they had used the caravan as collateral against a loan that I knew nothing about. And they had forged my name on it. And I went to go to work one morning and my van was gone because they towed it because they didn't pay the loan. Big surprise. So this, this has gone on for several, several, several years. And I, my dad passed away in 2011, not even really sad about it. I was sad at the time, but then I kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm so relieved that my kids don't have to grow up with him. Like I, and I, I know he loved the grandkids. I know he did. Um, but as the kids got older, I had this real, I had this dread that they, he would do the same thing to them that they did to me. So when I found out that he had terminal cancer, you know, I, again, I probably shouldn't have been as upset as I, I was, or I don't know, maybe it was more, I was just upset because other people were upset about it. Um, but thinking about and going back, I really wasn't, but I was relieved. And now I'm even more relieved that my kids don't have to be exposed to him. I know my mom is, my mom's still alive. She, we, she lives one street over from me. She won't have anything to do with my kids. Uh, she claims that she does my like she she makes all these unlimited promises to my kids constantly never follows through with any of them uh to the point where my youngest ones are 13 they've got to the point now where they don't even barely talk to her because they're tired of the the lies and the the broken promises which i won't force them to talk to her she works with me again because i am guilted into the fact that my dad left her with no money but again looking back that is 100 percent on them and that is not my problem and i know this i know i'm still working through it i know it's hard to work through it i know people probably have it a lot worse than i do but this, this is a lot of mental, it's mentally draining every day. Um, just with her constant, uh, negativity and her toxic traits and her must be nice conversations where everybody is so much better than her and, and she can never have anything. Meanwhile, she, you know, she basically does nothing at our daycare and I pay her a salary, which I know I shouldn't be doing. 
And anybody who's listening is going to be like, what the hell's wrong with you? You're basically saying that your parents are shitty and you still are involved with them. Um, I find for some reason I can't, I can't break that chain and I don't know why. I go back and forth where I'll go to bed sometimes. And before I go to bed, I'll be like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm really going to tell her tomorrow. I'm going to be like, okay, listen, here's the deal. Um, I don't want you in my life anymore. I don't need you in my life anymore. I'm, I'm tired of your negativity. I'm, I'm tired of your, your mental abuse. I'm tired of you draining me physically and mentally. And I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And then, and then I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And, and, the, and this has been a cycle now for about probably about 12 years. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it, and it's, and I have a lot of resentment. I have a lot of built up hatred, which I don't like using the word hate. I don't, but there's just so much of it there. Like, like I know when she got sick last year with COVID, I wasn't even upset about it. Um, I know when she had threatened to move back to Ontario, I honestly almost offered to pay to move her there just to get her out of my life. I think it would be beneficial for me to cut ties. I, well, no, I know, no, I don't think I know it would be, but she, it's always this thing where we've always been a, a tight knit family. And I think, and I don't think we're a tight knit family because we love each other. I think we're a tight knit family because my brother and sister and I only had each other with all the moving that we did that we never had any friends. So it was just us three and we depend on each other and we, and we, and we try to, you know, like just to relate to each other. And I know my brother is so much like my mom and he's so much like my dad. And I, and I know he could be better. I know he could, I'm not, I'm not sure where things went wrong with him. Uh, it, it's, it's so frustrating because I know, I know in my heart, he could be better. My, my sister, my sister has the same issues I do, where there's the constant pulling of the heartstrings where we're just constantly, okay, today's the day, today's the day. And we, and we just can't do it. I, I just, I'm at a loss. We're, we're, we're so, I don't know. We're, we're just, and, and it's gotta be the mental breakdown. Um, I, you know, I've always threatened that I'm going to go to therapy and she, and I've discussed my mental health issues because of like my ADHD, which she doesn't believe in. She doesn't believe in mental health issues. Uh, when we discuss about anxiety and depression, she says that we're full of shit. Um, and that we need to just smarten up. And I'm thinking, but you know, um, maybe you're the one that needs the medication, you know, like, so it's like, so you just get between a rock and a hard place and anybody that's listening to this that can relate um, 
maybe I can help someone that has been trying to make that leap and that could actually do it. <laughs> I don't know if you're if you're able to message me, if you do actually make that leap, message me and let me know. Uh, that would be awesome. Any type of backup or ideas on what I could do. Um, I know my husband's always telling me, oh, just do it, just do it. But it's not that easy, you know, like when you have 44 years of mental abuse, it's, it's not that easy to do as much as it, it is for me to sit here and say, oh, I could just do it. No, you can't just do it. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You can't. And, um, and I know plus being in the same town and working together and being one street over, that makes it even harder. So, um, short of, you know, me packing up and moving, which I won't do until my kids are done school because I refuse to take them out of the school. Um, I'm just lost. I, it's just one of those things like I, I hope maybe if someone's listening to this, maybe it might wake up something in their brain that they need to separate from their shitty parents because unfortunately there's a lot more out of them than what we'd like to admit. And it's just, and those, the, you know, people that are a lot younger than me that are dealing with shitty parents, it doesn't get any better. Um, it will not get better. As you get older, it actually gets progressively worse. So if you're in your like early twenties and you were dealing with some shitty parents, cut your ties now. Don't do what I did. Don't let it drag out. It, it just, because it does get worse. It gets so much worse that they, they won't get better. Narcissists do not get better. Shitty people don't get better. And and don't let them convince you that they will be better because that is exactly what gaslighting is because they're not going to and don't and and like just do it if you're able to do it before you get to my age do it break free from it cut it off and just walk away from it and i hope that it'll help make your life a little bit better for you because they will do nothing but drag themselves down a shitty path and they will just drag you behind them. It doesn't matter if you're kicking or screaming, you're just going to get dragged with them. And you do not need to have that toxic in your life because it doesn't do anybody any good. And if you're just starting out or you've got young kids, don't let them around the toxic parents because they're not, they're not better people. They're not, they're, they're never going to be better. They might, you know, one day they might seem like they're really, really good, but it's a lie. Everything's, a, it, they're lying. It, it's, it's a mask. It's not, it, it won't get any better. And so if you can just break free from it, like I said, reach out to me. If you're able to message me on here, uh, I would love to hear if you decided to break free from it. Uh, let me know how that works out for you because I know you'll be so much better off and I know you'll be so much happier and you'll feel like a, a giant bag of bricks has just lifted off of you. But that, well, I look, my time's almost up. Uh, I will touch back on the subject through other podcasts and I hope that we can reach some people that maybe need to hear it. But with that being said, have a great night and stay safe.